0: chapter twenty of agnes sorrel by g p r james this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twenty when within a few miles of the Chateau of bautet armand chauvin was sent forward to announce the near approach of the duchess and she herself though the weather was still intensely cold notwithstanding the brightness of the sunshine ordered the curtains of her litter to be looped up in order that she might see the castle before she actually reached it her anxiety evidently increased as they came nearer and nearer the dwelling of her husband and who is there after being long absent from those they love who does not on approaching the place of their abode feel a strange thrilling anxiety in regard to all that time may have done it is at that moment that the uncertainty of human fate the hourly peril of every happiness the dark possibilities of every moment of existence seem to rush upon the mind at once i have often thought that if man could but know the giddy pinnacle upon which his fortunes ever stand the precipices that surround him on every side the perils above below around life would be intolerable but he is placed in the midst of friendly mists that conceal the abysses from the eye and is led on by a hand in those mists equally unseen which guides his steps aright and brings him home at length It is only the intense anxiety of affection for those we love that ever wafts the vapours away, even for a moment, and gives us a brief sight of the dangers that surround our mortal being, while the hand of the almighty guide remains concealed, and but too often untrusted. While still at some miles' distance from the castle, the towers and pinnacles were seen peeping over the shoulder of a wooded hill, and then they were lost again, and seen, and lost once more the duchess then beckoned up jean charost to the side of her litter conversed with him some time and asked him many questions how long had he been with the duke who commended him to her husband's service what was his family and his native place she asked too more particularly regarding her husband's health whether his illness had been sudden or announced by any previous symptoms of declining health but she asked not one question regarding his conduct his habits or any of his acts she did not need to ask indeed but even if she had not known too well still she would have abstained at length the hill was climbed the wood was passed the gate of the chateau of beaut was in view with attendants already marshalled on each side of the drawbridge to honour the duchess's reception as soon as the head of her little escort appeared upon the road a page ran into the wardroom of the great tower and the next instant another figure came forth with that of the boy and advanced along the bridge greatly to jean charost's joy and satisfaction he recognized the figure of the duke and when he looked towards the duchess he saw a bright and grateful drop sparkling in her eyes which in spite of a struggle to repress it rolled over and moistened her cheek another moment and the duke stood beside the litter The mule stopped, and bending forward, he cast his arms around his wife. She leaned her head upon his shoulder, and there must have shed tears, but they were soon banished, and all parties bore a look of joy. Jean Charost could not help remarking, however, that the duke was very pale, and looked older by some years than when he had last seen him. But still there was one thing very satisfactory in his aspect to the eyes of the young man, there was a gladness, a lightness of expression, an affectionate earnestness in his greeting of the Duchess, which, from all he had heard and knew, he had not expected. There was a great satisfaction, too, on the faces of all the elder attendants. Lomellini looked quite radiant, and even M. Blaise forgot his ancient formality and suffered his face to overrun with well-pleased smiles. He laid a friendly grasp, too, upon Jean Charost's arm, as the duke and duchess passed into the chateau, and walked on with him, across the court, saying in a low voice, "'You have done a good service, my young friend, in bringing that lady back to this house, which might well atone for a great number of faults. She has not been here for four years.' "'I hope I have not accumulated many faults to atone for, good sir,' answered Jean Charost, smiling. "'If I have, I am unconscious of them.' "'Oh, of course!' "'That is between you and your own conscience,' answered M. Blaise, in an off-hand kind of way. "'It is no business of mine.' "'I am glad to hear, at least, that it is not you I have offended,' answered Jean Charost. "'You are my first friend in the household, Monsieur Blaise, and I should be very sorry to give you any cause for reproach.' "'Oh, no, no!' answered the old equier. "'You have done nothing against me at all. But as to the Duchess—' how has she passed the journey did she meet with any difficulty or misadventure by the way none whatever answered the young secretary none were apprehended i presume and then judging monsieur Blaise more clear-sightedly than might have been expected in so young a man he added had there been any danger of course the duke would have sent yourself or some gentleman of military experience monsieur Blaise was evidently well satisfied with the reply but still he rejoined "'Perhaps I could not well be spared from this place during His Highness's illness. "'We were in great consternation here, I can tell you, my young friend.' "'Has he been very ill, then?' asked the secretary. "'For two days after you were gone,' replied M. Blaise, "'no one thought to see him rise from his bed again, "'and he himself evidently thought his last hours were coming. "'He sent for notaries, made his will, "'and was driven at length to get a leech from Paris.' a very skilful man indeed he consulted the moon and the aspects of the stars chose the auspicious moment gave him benzoin and honey besides a fever drink and some drops of which he would not tell the secret but which we all believed to be potable gold it is wonderful the effect they had he announced boldly that at the change of the moon on the third day the duke would be better and so it proved His Highness watched anxiously for the minute, and immediately the clock struck, he declared that he felt relieved, to our very great joy. Since that time he has continued to improve, but he cannot be called well yet. And now, if you will take my advice, you will go and order yourself something to eat at the buttery, and then lie down and rest, for you look as haggard and worn as an old courtier. It was too heavy a task to put upon a boy like you." Jean charost during the whole of this conversation had been carrying on in his own mind as we so continually do a separate train or undercurrent of thought as to what could be the faults which good Monsieur blaise seemed to impute to him and he came to conclusions very naturally which proved not far from the truth there was but one point in his whole history in regard to which there was anything like mystery and he judged rightly that if men were inclined to attribute to him any evil act they must fix upon that point as a basis. He was determined to learn more, if possible, however. And in reply to M. Blaise's advice to get food and rest, he said laughingly, Oh, no, Monsieur Blaise, before I either eat or sleep, I must go down to the hamlet to see my baby. Well, you speak of it coolly enough, replied M. Blaise. Why should I not? answered Jean Charost quickly but the old gentleman suddenly turned away and left him and jean charost was at once convinced that some calumny had been circulated among the household in regard to the child which had been so strangely thrown upon his hands by early misfortunes and difficulties he had been taught to decide rapidly and energetically and his mind was soon made up on the present occasion to seek the first opportunity of telling his own story to the duke of orleans and explaining everything as far as it was in his power to explain in the meanwhile however as soon as he had given some directions to martin grille he strolled down to the hamlet and sought out the house of madame moulinet he knocked first with his hand and there being no answer though he thought he heard the voices of persons within he opened the door and entered at once into the kitchen madame moulinet was seated there with the child upon her knee but the door on the opposite side of the room was closing just as jean charost went in and he caught a glance of a black velvet mantle before it was actually shut how thrives the child madame moulinet asked jean charost looking down upon the infant with a glance of interest but with none of that peculiar admiration which grown women feel and grown men often affect for a very young baby the good woman assured him that the child was doing marvellously and jean charost then proceeded to inquire whether any one during his absence had been to visit or inquire after it oh a quantity of people from the castle sir answered the good dame that saucy young fellow de royans among the rest and old monsieur Blaise, and the chaplain and the fool god but beside that and she dropped her voice to a lower tone one evening just as we were going to bed there came a strange wild-looking gentleman with long gray hair who seemed so mad he frightened both me and my husband he asked a number of questions then he stared at the child for full five minutes and cried out at length ah she doubtless looked once like that and then he threw down a purse upon the table with fifty gold crowns in it so the little maid has got her little fortune already did you not know him asked jean "'I never saw him in my life before,' replied the woman. "'And, in truth, I did not know how to answer any one "'when they asked me about the child as you were gone, "'and had not told me what to say. "'So all I could tell them was that you had brought her here, "'had paid well for nursing her, "'and had commanded me to take good care of her "'in the name of my good father's old lord.' "'And was that wild-looking man not your father's old lord?' "'asked Jean Charost in a tone of surprise.' lord bless your heart no sir replied madame moulinet a hand's-breadth taller and not half so stout quite a different sort of man altogether jean charost mused in silence but he asked no further questions and shortly after returned to the chateau in passing through the courtyard the first person the young gentleman encountered seigneur Andre, the fool who at once began upon the subject of the child with a good deal of malevolence aha mr secretary he said i want to roam the forest with you and find out the baby tree that bears living acorns on my faith the duke ought to knight you with his own hand being the guide of ladies and the protector of orphans the defender of women and children my good friend replied jean charost i think he ought to promote you also i have heard a good many gentlemen of your profession but all the rest are mere pretenders to you the others only call themselves fools you are one in reality and with these tart words excited as much perhaps by some new feeling of doubt and perplexity in his own mind as by the jester's evident ill-will toward him he walked on and sought his own chamber the rest of the day passed without any incident worthy of notice except some little annoyance which the young secretary had to endure from a very general feeling of ill-will toward him among those who had been longer in the service of the duke of orleans than himself he was unconscious indeed of deserving it but one of the sad lessons of the world was being learned that success and favour create bitter enemies and he had already made some progress in the study he took no notice therefore of hints jests and insinuations but sought his own room as soon as supper was over and remained reading for nearly an hour At the end of that time, one of the duke's menial attendants entered, saying briefly, "'Monsieur de Brecy, his highness has asked to see you in his toilet-chamber.' Jean Charost followed immediately, and found the duke seated in his furred dressing-gown, as if prepared to retire to rest. His face was grave, and there was a certain degree of sternness about it, which Jean Charost had never remarked there before. He spoke kindly, however, and bade the young gentleman be seated.' i hear from the duchess my friend he said that you have well and earnestly executed the task i gave you to perform and i thank you i wish however to hear some more particular account of your journey from your own lips you arrived it seems at Blois sooner than i imagined you could have accomplished the journey you must have ridden hard i lost no time your highness answered jean charost but an event happened on the road which made me ride one whole night without stopping although the horses were very tired it is absolutely necessary when you have leisure that i should relate to your highness all the particulars of that night's adventure as they may be of importance the extent of which i cannot judge the duke smiled with a well pleased look tell me all about it now he said i shall not go to bed for an hour so we shall have enough time succinctly but as clearly and minutely as possible Jean Charost then related to the prince all that had occurred between himself and the duke of Burgundy and took especial care to mention his visit to the house of the astrologer and his having been guided by a stranger on the way to blois the duke listened with a countenance varying a good deal sometimes assuming an expression of deep grave thought and at others of gay almost sarcastic merriment at length he laughed outright see what handles he said men will make of very little things but truth and honesty will pull down all i am glad you have frankly told me all this de then he paused again for a moment or two and added abruptly my good cousin of burgundy he was always the most curious and inquisitive of men i do believe this was all curiosity my friend "'I do not think he meant you any evil, or me, either. "'He wanted to know all, for he is a very suspicious man.' "'I think, sir, he is one of the most disagreeable men I ever saw,' "'replied Jean Charost. "'Even his condescension has something scornful in it.' "'And yet, de Bracy,' replied the Duke, "'out of this very simple affair of your meeting with John of Burgundy, "'there be people who would have fain manufactured a charge against you.' jean charost gazed in the duke's face with some surprise never having dreamed that the intelligence of what had occurred on the road could have reached him so soon i am surprised that armand should attribute any evil to me sir he said for he must have seen how eager i was to escape acquit poor armand said the duke he had naught to do with the affair but you have enemies in this house de brecy who will find that their master understands courts and courtiers and will never shake my good opinion of you so long as you are honest and frank with me they set on that malicious fool andre to pick out some, some mischief from armand chauvin he got him to relate all that had happened and then when i sent for the fool to divert me for half an hour He told me, with his wise air, that you had had a secret interview with the Duke of Burgundy which lasted several hours. It is strange how near half a truth sometimes comes to a whole lie. They have not been wanting in their friendship for you during your absence. Nevertheless, I doubt not you could explain all their tales as easily as you have done this, even if you have committed some slight indiscretion. I have no right to tax you well well good night some day i will say something more as your friend as one who has more experience as one who has suffered if he has sinned i thank your highness replied jean charost and i will not presume to intrude upon you further tonight. but there is one matter of much importance to myself of none to your highness which i would fain communicate to you for counsel and direction in my inexperience when you can give me a few minutes audience said the duke but as he spoke the clock of the castle struck eleven and saying to-morrow morning to-morrow morning i will send for you he suffered the young secretary to retire chapter twenty